0: You're listening to the Marketing Rescue Podcast, the weekly show where we take a look at some epic marketing failures, along with some pretty amazing brand rescues and comebacks. And now your hosts, Nico and Chad.
1: Hey, Chad. Yeah. If you think of the word logo, what do you think the history of that word is and the history of logos as we know it today?
0: (laughs) As usual, you stump me.
1: <laughs> I should start giving you like little cheat sheets beforehand. Does it come from a Latin word? Greek, close enough?
0: Greek. Oh, okay. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's actually an abbreviation from the word logos, which literally means word. Hmm. According to Wikipedia, it's a graphic mark, an emblem, a symbol used to aid or promote public identification and recognition. It may be an abstract or a figure of design, or include the text of a name it represents in the word mark. Now, logos can be traced back to 2,000 years before Christ because they used to put a symbol on the cylinder heads or even on coins, which is about 600 years BC. But fast forwarding a little bit to our day and age, if you think of like the oldest logos, not brands, logos, and what that means is the logo is still the same, very, very similar to when they designed the logo, basically. Who do you think of?
0: Uh... Yeah, nothing's really coming to mind in terms of logos specifically.
1: McDonald's, obviously. McDonald's.
0: I'm guessing Coca-Cola probably had their logo around for a long time. I know there's a number of brands that are essentially two century old brands plus.
1: Yeah, Stella Artois. The logo was designed in 1366, and still the exact same logo from when <laughs> they designed it back then. Isn't that amazing?
0: That's some staying power.
1: Yeah, Twinings tea is 1887. Bass ale is 1876. Shell oil is 1904. It's still very similar, and then Levi Strauss, which is 1866. Wow, amazing, right? Yes. I think I'll start feeding you little cheat sheets before we uh, ask you these questions.
0: (laughs) You got to give me something a little easier.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I remember when we started the podcast, we would like discuss beforehand what it would be, and then you'd sound all intelligent, but now I'm just firing it at you. Yeah. Now you need to like know what you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to be talking about a logo today, and I made a note for myself here. I'm really going to try to keep this short. I have this... Ambition to have a shorter episode. And we always start to do that. And then it ends up being a long one. So I'm saying that now to keep both of us accountable to try to keep this short. Because I think if I look at the analytics, it's the short episodes that people really appreciate more because everybody's busy. So let's just try. Let's try to keep this a short one. There's always time to try something new. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to be talking about a logo today and a, let's call it a failure but the response to the failure was pretty good. So this was a comeback for that matter, but it was definitely a comeback that they caused themselves within marketing and branding and advertising. It's better to avoid those hiccups, but when they come around, they actually handled it pretty well. So have you ever thought a company was trying its best to pull off a practical joke?
0: Well, Google does it every April. And usually they're pretty comical. Yeah,
1: yeah. So does Tesla. yeah. <laughs> If you've never thought of that before as an example, allow us to remind you of when IHOP announced that they were going to change their name to IHOB, with a B, not a P. In 2018, the International House of Pancakes announced that they would be changing their name to IHOB, the International House of Burgers. And one month later, IHOB, with a B, took to Twitter and they said, We appreciate the burgering loyalty, but we're now going back to at IHOP again. And part of the new thing had been replacing all the P's with B's in all their language, which explains the unusual spelling. So when Twitter users joked that the name change must not have gone very well, IHOP responded that the plan was to get people talking about the new burgers, and at work, Look at us, two silly pancakes talking about burgers.
0: And another example of a brand that had to revert back to their original designs not very long after release is Tropicana. So at the beginning of 2009, the PepsiCo-owned brand revealed a new packaging design for its best-selling orange juice, which was meant to create a new modern packaging for the North American market. And the most standout factor of the redesign was the lid, which they redesigned to have the texture and shape of an orange. And the majority of consumers just completely criticized and rejected the new packaging design and started to really just attack the design and the company on social media platforms days after the launch. And even worse than that is the fact that Tropicana, the best-selling orange juice in the world, dropped by 20%, and that was a loss of over $30 million for Tropicana. So not all companies that make branding changes do it as a PR stunt, like IHOP. That was clearly an episodic thing that they were just doing as a very specific campaign. They knew, of course, they were going to be reverting back to IHOP. And I think everybody else knew it because it was so obvious. But many companies have good intentions like Tropicana did, but it just doesn't work out. And, you know, they're trying to implement a long-term change and it just doesn't happen. And they end up very much in the negative like Tropicana did with losing more than $30 million. And one of those companies that had genuine intentions behind what some people might think is a seemingly small change, but actually received massive and almost immediate online criticism, is GAP. Mm. And (laughs) they're a pretty good reminder of why we have processes that we generally follow, best practices in terms of how we do things in the branding industry?
1: Well, it's just that. It's a best practice for a reason, right? (laughs) Because it works well. (laughs) When you you do like rebranding and logo rollouts, there is a process you can follow to try to avoid all this stuff. It might help to understand Gap's rebranding FUPA if you understand the company itself. The company was founded in 1969 by Donald and Doris F. Fisher in San Francisco, California where it's still headquartered today, the Fishers founded the company with a simple goal to make it easier to find jeans that fit. And in the 50 years that the company has been open, they've grown into seven brands and their initial commitment to do more has grown into global ambition to champion equality, inclusivity, and sustainability according to their website. The... Gap Store Inc. went public in 1976 with an initial offering of 1.2 million stock shares at $18 a share. Gap first proved that they can handle competition in 1981 when they opened their first Super Gap in Concord, California.
0: Yeah, and that Super Gap Store was almost twice the size of a standard Gap Store and was actually open to compete with Miller's Outpost. A competitor known for its extra large stores. And Gap further proved that they could handle competition two years later when they simply bought the competition, Banana Republic. (laughs) So I don't know if that's really them handling the competition as much as just ingesting them. But five years after that acquisition in 1983, the most significant event in Gap's timeline occurred. As far as this story is concerned, anyway, when about halfway through 1988, Gap debuted its now iconic blue square logo. We all know it. (laughs) It's very familiar that blue square would be the blue square for more than 20 years until something
1: happened. Yeah, in 2010, when Gap unveiled their new logo, the first redesign since the birth of the iconic blue square in the 1980s. And I think when you just described that logo, everybody can visualize it in their brain. That's how recognizable it is. So 20 years is a long time for a logo to go without a makeover, especially one as simplistic and frankly unremarkable in style as Gap's. And after the early 2000s, Gap's brand was not as strong as what they wanted it to be. Giving themselves a new coat of paint in the sense of rebranding might be just what they need to generate enough buzz and free publicity to re-peak consumers' interests. And even if the new logo failed to get Gap's sales back to where it was or where they wanted it to be, it's not like something as little as a new logo would really hurt them, right? So if you think about it, or at least this is the way that they thought about it. Right. So from mistakes made by companies like Tropicana, we just talked about as recently as a year before, we know that that is just simply not true.
0: Yeah, and consumers' reactions to the new Gap logo in 2010 were swift. Nobody wasted any time, and the verdict was very clear right at the beginning. It was very decisive, packed with memes, (laughs) and most importantly, bad news for Gap. The redesign quickly brought mainstream attention and a kind of wrath that you can only really find on the internet that for a marketer is basically just the stuff that nightmares are made of. So at the same time, if you're looking at the bright side of things, which we always try to do, right? We cover fails and we cover comebacks. So we can look at the bright side. But if you're looking on the bright side of things, it was essentially that there are a lot of lessons to take here that other marketers can use. <laughs> I guess that's as, <laughs> as kind as we can be about it. On October 6 2010, Marka Hansen, who was the president of Gap North America, unveiled the company's new logo, and Hansen said it was more contemporary and current, honoring the, quote, heritage through the blue box while still taking it forward, end quote.
1: Yeah, and we'll throw both the logos in the show notes. You can see it. It was live for so short, (laughs) so it's actually (laughs) difficult to find. As the previous logo was a sheriff font similar to Spire regular designed by Anne Pomeray. And a fun fact is that if you care about fonts, the new logo was designed with black Helvetica fonts, a sans sheriff category or within a sans sheriff group. And reduce the prominence of the brand's iconic blue box. You might ask yourself, what does that mean? There was still a blue box in the logo with a dark to light blue gradient from the top right to the bottom left corner, the heritage honoring you just talked about. Mm. And the blue box in the redesign was placed behind the P of Gap on the top right. And it was like a direction of the compass, it would be facing northeast. Got it. Aside from the black font and seemingly random place of the box, the rest of the logo was just completely white. And I mean, I'm looking at them both here side by side, and it's not really a evolution. It feels a little bit backwards, not really forward. It's not a modernized play on the old Gap logo, especially with the gradient.
0: Yeah, it definitely feels more simplistic and less thoughtful. Yeah. So during the evening of October... 6th, 2010. So, this is after the new logo has been announced. On that very same day, like, think about this the same day that the logo is announced. And of course, they're already getting immediate backlash. They go to Facebook and say, Quote, thanks for everyone's input on the new logo. We've had the same logo for 20 plus years. And this is just one of the things we're changing. We know this logo created a lot of buzz and we're thrilled to see passionate debates unfolding. So much so, we're asking you to share your designs. We love our version, but we'd like to see other ideas. Stay tuned for details in the next few days on this crowdsourcing project.
1: Hmm. Let's backpedal quickly.
0: (laughs) 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 What can we do to save the situation? A massive, what has become an iconic Multinational brand is now crowdsourcing their brand identity on Twitter.
1: After an unsuccessful launch.
0: Yes, a few hours after an unsuccessful launch.
1: Yeah, but what they actually meant by that may be more accurately interpreted as memes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The fact that the iconic blue logo was being replaced was not publicly announced before it happened. And the switch happened all at once, very suddenly. And this is where we talked about best practices, warming up your customer and preparing them for what's coming and very often making the part of that whole process, but not after the fact. And if that sneaky transition made Gap think they were quick, they were about to see how fast the customers really were. I mean, it's just like literally Hours after they swapped it out, the reactions started flowing in. Mm. And a slew of criticism rolled in, some of it coming from the form of more than 2,000 comments on Facebook, prompting Gap's Facebook posts that you just read out the night of the unveiling. It's just terrible. Mm.
0: And similarly, on Twitter, an account with nearly 5,000 followers protested against the new design. And you know, here's just a sampling of some of the tweets that came out. So the first one is from at super monkey. And it says, quote, new gap logo looks as if it were done in Microsoft word. It's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very much. Or PC paint. Yeah. At <laughs> yeah. spider girl said, seen the new gap logo yet? I think it definitely captures the essence of this generation. That is meh. <laughs> And a parody Twitter account that personified the new Gap logo tweeted, At Gap logo, change scares some people, so do clowns. I have no idea. And additionally, Make Your Own Gap logo site went viral on the internet, prompting nearly 14,000 parody design versions.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: This is something like, if you're interested in some additional kind of information and comic relief, definitely go check that out. It's a good time. And James Yu, the founder of Make Your Own Gap Logo, wrote about his initial reaction to the new logo. He said, I was in disbelief. Did some intern mess up and leak a joke logo that was being passed around internally at Gap? I even mocked up a version of the logo using only PowerPoint.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah, and then meanwhile, Hansen said that the, quote, outpouring of comments, unquote, showed that the company did not go about this the wrong way. So with that Facebook post that came later in the day of October 6th, Gap announced that they would be reconsidering the emblem and promised to take on board customers' personal suggestions. This tactic might have been an attempt to hit two birds with one stone, finding a better new logo per se, and then also get back in the good graces of their customers. But Instead of distilling confidence and professionalism, Gap showed their uncertainty when they turned to crowdsourcing. It's okay to turn to crowdsourcing, but not after the fact like they did here. And I think the customers were very quick to see through that. Yeah. You know, the joint head of the corporation branding agency, 85-4, Stuart Anderson said, quote, the creation of a logo is never something that should be done in a silo. And that is so true.
0: Yeah. I mean, not to mention that crowdsourcing on a whim, you know, without an actual plan and infrastructure around it is just riddled with problems, right? I mean, there's no clear brief. There's no understanding of what you're trying to really accomplish or where you're trying to take the brand or who the target audience is. And you're basically having people work for free. Anyone can enter. So you're going to get a lot of spam and a lot of satire. And, you know, if the parody tweets, accounts, and websites are a good metric, you probably don't want just anyone from the internet volunteering to design your ad. And this is a little bit different than what you think about like with Doritos and how they do their Super Bowl ads, how they've done that a few times where they've crowdsourced Super Bowl ads. But his entire campaign, right? Yes. And it's done months in advance and there's an entire rigorous process and brief and everything that you think of that goes into a typical process, but they're just kind of allowing their customers to get in on the action, even though it's still just as structured and well thought out. So days after Gap announces that they would be taking suggestions from the audience, as it were. The company just completely folds on this idea, admitting its mistake in not consulting its customers first beforehand Mm -hmm. and not really having a clear process for what they're doing and why they're doing it. So Gap reverts to its original design after announcing the new logo to the public just six days previously. And the new logo obviously didn't work, (laughs) but it did generate buzz, and free publicity, which we've talked about in numerous episodes, all the way back to Michael Bloomberg and the way that you can generate publicity. Sometimes it can even be bad, and that's still helpful at times. So the question is whether or not that free publicity was really enough to cover the loss or the damage from what happened.
1: Was it worth it? Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. And so Tropicana's vertical print and orange modeled lid and streamlining of their packaging design cost them well over $30 million. How much could such a simple logo change, just a sans serif font and taking the copy outside of the box and placing the box behind the corner of the copy, how much could that really cost? Well, for Gap, it cost $100 million.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is crazy. That's a lot of money, right? So was that worth the buzz, $100 million? (laughs) I think they could have spent that wiser and gotten more return on their investment. Let's pivot a little bit and talk about what they got right. Yeah. With a comeback, you need a failure, but it's also, we often cover brands that fail because they don't have the ability or the executive team and agency infrastructure to actually have a comeback. So let's unpack a little bit what they did right. You know, it's a shame that a well-intentioned attempt to shake things up cost them so much money. I mean, $100 million is a lot of money, especially considering that the second, many first-year design students clocked the Helvetica font, they could tell you that it was a mistake. But to Gap's credit, they were quick to notice the online criticism, but we can also, I suppose, say it was difficult to ignore it which made a good example of how social media can be an ally and significantly benefit companies. I think we're past the years of, well, I think there are still some pharma companies and financial companies that don't want to dabble in social because they're scared from a compliance standpoint. But I think in today's day and age, if you ignore social media, that's like a pulse of your customer. Mm-hmm. If you harvest it correctly, like The Doritos does, it can be extremely beneficial to a brand, but you can also use it as a pulse to rectify stuff. And I think this is what Gap did really well here.
0: I think you brought up a really good point because there's also an opportunity cost from the perspective of what if Gap hadn't been active on social media They hadn't really paid attention to the backlash, and then they fully implemented and rolled out the new branding across all their stores and everything.
1: Yeah, it could have been half a billion dollars. Right. It
0: could have been much worse if they carry that down the line for 12 months.
1: And they performed what is possibly one of the fastest branding turnarounds of all time when they reverted their original design just six days after putting the new logo out in the public. Six days. So from 1988 to October 5th, 2010, the Gap logo was the iconic blue boxes we still know today. But from October 6th to October 12th, 2010, the Gap logo was what you've just described in this whole episode. So six days, they rolled it back. That is Mm. super fast for such a big company.
0: Well, and from the 12th on, the Gap logo has been the superior blue square as overwhelmingly popular opinion declares that it should be. And some people say Gap's turnaround was so speedy that it's suspicious. We actually saw that in our research for the episode. Yeah, There were a number of people with these kind of like conspiracy theories that it was done on purpose or they were purposefully trying to harvest negative PR and negative energy. But Considering that the week-long run of the new logo cost them $100 million, and the company was already not operating at its height at the time, they were dealing with a lot of challenges with integrating some acquisitions that they had recently made, it kind of makes the possibility of the new logo as a PR stunt a little less likely, especially considering that the U.S. president of Gap left just four months after this whole debacle went down and she was kind of the main spokesperson during the whole thing that happened. And so I think that makes the conspiracy theories a little bit less likely. IHOP and Tropicana both took about a month to go back on their rebranding attempts and IHOP's was again purposeful, Tropicana's was more similar to Gap's. And so Tropicana, you know, that's really admirable that they were able to reverse that because they had already just widely operationalized that change. So they had cartons of orange juice throughout their entire supply chain with the new branding. So it was a big shift for them to do that. And during the month that each of those new designs ran, both IHOP and Tropicana really tried to use Twitter as an attempt to stay relevant get a little bit of sass out there and try to just project this resiliency against all of the criticism. But eventually they had to make those changes. And...
1: Are you trying to avoid the word concede? Because it's like the flavor of the month concede. Ooh! (laughs) (laughs) Is that what's happening over here? You're trying not to use the word concede because that would be politically charged. No, 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 no. But that is funny. (laughs) They both conceded. That's what you should say. Concede. Yeah. Concede.
0: Yeah. And so both
1: of them ended up
0: conceding, even though one was purposeful and the other was not.
1: Man, we're recording this in November 2020, and you just use the word concede. That's brave. It's a dangerous word to use. <laughs> Very dangerous <word. laughs> Anywho, on the other hand, Gap did all of that, right? They released the new design, they received criticism, they tried crowdsourcing, they admitted defeat, and they reverted to the original design. And this is all within a week. I <laughs> just I cannot believe that. I mean, I, I think the speed that they rolled out their response here is what saved them. And Gap's one week lived logo is a testament on how imperative it is for companies to be wary of, but not afraid of social media and remain reactive and engage with their customers.
0: Yeah, because that is something that they did right. They didn't hide.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Why don't we take another pivot and we talk about where marketers go wrong with these type of situations.
0: Well, marketing expert Craig Smith said that With the new logo, Gap was trying to change its stripes without changing the product. Again, a theme that we talk about a lot. In his words, Smith also said, quote, where marketers often go wrong is they think that they have identified an opportunity for the brand to evolve and become something else, become more modern, and they think that they can shortcut this by changing the visual identity and carry the customers with them. It's a fundamental error because customers may not be ready to go with you. The product positioning has to change first, then the logo should be the last thing. And I think that's really smart. It speaks to authenticity. Your brand has to be aligned to a specific target audience, and you can't just change the alignment to the target audience And then expect that all of a sudden, like new people are just going to find you and love your brand or that your existing audience is going to change themselves because that's not going to happen. Yeah. So in other words, if you're going to try to fix something, make sure it's broken first. And secondly, make sure that you focus on the reality of what the product is rather than the perception that you're trying to create.
1: If I think of a logo that we just designed brand new, it's like an empty vessel. They insisted that the new logo was part of their brand and represented an effort to align its product and brand with customers more closely. But however, for that to be true, Gap would have had to reach out to the customers before, like we just said, before they just go ahead and change a 20-year-plus ship to something new. And some people may look at the 2010 Gap logo and the online fiasco that followed and think, so what, what is the problem? This is just a logo It has shapes and colors and fonts. But either way, it's just another logo in the world with no shortage of logos and brands. You can ask yourself, isn't it? But it's not. You know, one of the reasons logos are so essential to marketing is consistency that we don't just change logos at a period of time, that empty vessel starts picking up passengers. And once you have a boat full of passengers, it becomes very dangerous to just go and paint it a different color. Because then all of a sudden, the people that voluntarily climbed on your vessel, on your blue vessel, they don't like red. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. So it's very, very important to survey those people and make them a part of something that you might change specifically as it relates to a old consistent logo.
0: Yeah. Some people just don't like change So some people, maybe gaps, blue logo disappearing without warning felt a little bit like having the rug ripped out from under them. Some people get very invested in brands and kind of the identity that that brings to them. And just having that feeling of this thing that was kind of like important to me, or I utilized as a way to represent who I am in the world, which a lot of clothing companies serve that role for people, it might not feel that great. And so having that feeling might not be entirely comparable, but consistency in a product and a logo just in brand experience is really important to a company establishing and maintaining that trust and respect with customers as as you mentioned and I think Tropicana what they did is they created a situation where their brand wasn't even recognizable anymore it's not just that it had changed like you literally couldn't recognize it on a shelf And there's a big difference between product design strategy and marketing and advertising design strategy because products are unique in that they need to be very recognizable on a shelf. And so this recognition, this consistency is super important. Even though we may say, oh, well, isn't it just the product that's the most important thing? Yes, that is true. But the way that we psychologically and emotionally identify with the product is through visual and tactile cues. So according to child psychologist, Dr. Alan Kanner of the Wright Institute, by the time an American child is three years old, and this blew my mind, they can recognize an average of a hundred brand logos. That's how powerful logos are.
1: Yeah, and not only that, there's another researcher, Anna McAllister. She specializes in marketing, consumer behavior, advertising, children, and psychology. She said that children to ages three and five are, quote, using the brand to assign a quality, and they can do this for products too, unquote. So if preschoolers can recognize products and the quality of those products at the age of three, and they can do a hundred of them, what kind of deep-rooted association must adult consumers have with these images, the same images? I mean, it's just exponentially more, right? It's like a deep-rooted psychological, emotional attachment to an actual logo. So when we just swap it out, there's gonna be whiplash, and that's exactly what we saw here. So from your point of view, what do you think we can take away from this? Well,
0: I think just to sum it up, Number one, I think the rebranding failure really exemplifies social media's power as a mirror to yourself, to your brand, and the importance of notifying your customer base of a rebrand ahead of time and just doing your research. Number two, making sure you pressure test your brand changes with your target audience so that they can have a voice in it and that you don't make those kinds of mistakes And if you like what Mark Hansen had to say, you know, and you want to move your company forward and try to modernize your brand, one of the first squeaky wheels that needs greasing probably isn't going to be your logo. It's going to be your actual product and brand experience.
1: Or your process. Yeah. (laughs) How to do that. Yeah. That makes me think of like, you know, the old saying, don't fix what isn't broken, And yes, even if that's really small and you consider your logo as a small aspect of your entire brand. And something else we touched on earlier is about consistency is key. The fact that this logo has been the same for 20 years really plays in that consistency is key. And they tell you to, quote, stick to the basics, unquote, when you seem to have forgotten the simplest of facts by sticking to the basics is also a good way of saying basic works. And that is so true. This whole thing could have been avoided if it was approached a little bit more methodically and also just left alone. They did a $100 million week-long social experiment to end it in the same spot. Very interesting. All right. Do you think we did it? Do you think we made a short episode? We'll see. I'm not so
0: sure, but my fingers are crossed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much. Speak to you next week.
0: You've been listening to the Marketing Rescue Podcast. This show is hosted by Nico Katsia and Chad Childress, the co founders of KPI Agency, a marketing rescue agency. Be sure to visit marketingrescuepodcast.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, contact the hosts, and discover
1: fantastic bonus content.